Supreme Court has reached a decision on the landmark Roe v. Wade case. One of the most consequential cases before the Supreme Court in decades. The justice is saying we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. Just like if you were alive when Kennedy was shot or when the towers came down. I think we're all going to remember where we were the day our Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. What has happened with the Dobbs case? Uh, we have Roe versus Wade overruled. Oh my gosh. It's a miracle. Millions of babies now will be given the chance at life. But SCOTUS's recent decisions regarding abortion and the Second Amendment rights will only push the far left into overdrive. They've been developing plans to fight back at the cost of your freedom for a while now. Tonight, I'll show you how they do it. I'll show you the way Biden plans to destroy the judicial branch from within. How the bottom-up riots could ravage America once again. And how they have a real desire for revolution. Tonight, Summer of Rage. The real extremists who threaten the republic. Hello, America. Just before I went on vacation, I just got back this week. I'm at my ranch in uh, Idaho for a few more weeks. Um, but something happened right before I, I left for vacation that day, something I never expected. I was shocked when I was on the air covering it. Stu said to me right away, I, I, uh, we both talked about this, Glenn, for the last 20 years. It'll not happen in our lifetime. The fact that Roe versus Wade and the taint of murder and death as federal law was finally overruled by the Supreme Court, it was breathtaking. And the first thing I did, I think, because I was speechless, I, I just said a prayer. Thank you. And forgive us for our sins. Forgive us. It took us this long to do it. So while I was processing that this, is, this isn't the end of abortion, but this is the biggest step I never thought would happen in my lifetime. And then I thought... When I said, you saw it just there, oh my gosh, I was thinking, what is going to happen on the streets? Because a good crisis can never go to waste. This is what the left utilizes. They, they take moments like these at a cat, as a catalyst for fundamental change. And we're starting to get hints now about what could be in store for us very, very soon, because the leftists have a very specific playbook here, and I fully expect them to follow it. And I'll show it to you here in a minute. It's going to be a full court press, and it's going to be the bottom rising up and the top also in control by the same forces comes down and uh, gee, they'll turn everything inside out. Everything that I talked to you about when, if you watched me on Fox years ago, was top down, bottom up, inside out. This is the moment, I believe. Tonight, we're going to show you the clues that they're leaving behind, who is involved and what their ultimate goal is. First, from the top, have you heard the insane rhetoric from the officials in Washington, D.C. regarding the Supreme Court? 
Nancy Pelosi is called the highest court of the land, quote, an extremist Supreme Court. Oh, wow. I'll show you more about why they're saying these things later in the show. But talk like this has two purposes. One, it is a warning as what they're planning to do. And two, it lets the street soldiers know top has your support bottom as insurrection talk uh, like this was coming out of the mouths of members of Congress. This was the scene near the Supreme Court. Riot police began preparing for the onslaught. Check this out. This was posted to a political communist website just three days after the Dobbs decision. Let me quote it. This is one of those rare times, quoting, and circumstances when revolution becomes possible, not just because the system is always a horror, but because the crisis and the deep divisions in society now can only be resolved through radical means, one kind or another, either radically reactionary, murderously oppressive and destructive means, or radically emancipating revolutionary means. I want you to know they're saying this out in the open, but you're not going to see any kind of January 6th-like commission for them. More on that as well. We have to understand there are two, there are two camps, and it's being played out all over the world. There's the elitist camp, that thinks that they are better than everybody else and they're going to plan every aspect of your life and they are the ones really in control. Those are the same people who are now manipulating the Marxist at the lower, lower level in the Democratic Party. Okay, But the two camps really are the elitist who are all united, 100%, and then the other side, the people. The people... Half of them don't understand they're being used and manipulated. It's a red herring. Progressives and leftist elitists have worked themselves into a situation where they spectacularly failed with Roe versus Wade. And I, I want to take a second to point out just why it happened. It was their fault. It was their fault. Let me take you back to 2018. The state of Mississippi ruled that abortions could not happen after 15 weeks. Now, that is the standard in Europe. In fact, other countries are much, much harsher on that, uh, going down in weeks. 15 weeks is what they have in France. Well, at 15 weeks, a baby is the size of an apple, has all the fingers and toes, um, has the organs all formed, including vocal cords. It's when it used to be called the quickening, when a mother can feel her baby moving. But despite all of this, the abortion clinic in Mississippi sued not to be rational, not to even be France, but to be able to kill babies all the way to birth. Well, they went in and got a 0-2 in federal court, and Roe versus Wade is now no more. It was their own insane and diabolical hubris that ultimately brought them down. Or did they know that this case would bring it down and they would have a crisis on their hands? We see this happening all over the country. Um, we see it with the uh, school boards, things like CRT and comprehensive sexuality education in our kids' schools. They have pushed too far, and the American people are beginning to wake up, as they always do at the end of a progressive era. 
The Democratic Party in this country is not the Democratic Party anymore. It is fully controlled by the Marxist and the elites. They reached a point where they believe that people like you and I were so beat down that we just sit down and take it. And that you and I are so powerless that if they have the corporations, the media and the government involved, who cares? Well, I think the American people care and I think the people around the world care. We're not going to be spectators and watch them slowly dismantle our country. Now, this happened before. Uh, it's, uh, it happened in the waters we have navigated before with Ronald Reagan, but not during his campaign. During the 80s, but after the progressive wake of FDR. Roosevelt went from a charismatic voice on the radio telling blue-collar workers that he actually cared about them, to then using his power to strip freedom away. Nearly his entire party was radicalized. Here's Reagan navigating that progressive wake in 1965. Watch. To those who are Democrats, ask yourselves if the leadership of your party still follows the precepts of Jefferson, Jackson, and Cleveland. Take the platform of 1932 on which Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected. With its demand for a 25% reduction in the cost of the federal government, for restoration of constitutional limits on the power of that government, for a return to the states and the local communities and the individuals of the rights that had been taken from them. Ask which party would be most at home today with those promises. I know that the bond of party loyalty is very strong. I was a Democrat most of my life. I know it is hard to, to make a change from party loyalty and the party of your lifelong choice without a feeling that you're being treasonable or unfair. I say to you, have no feeling of disloyalty if you have decided you no longer can follow the leadership of that party tonight because the leadership of that party has long since abandoned you. Okay, you watch any of the speeches from the 1960s, and they are scary relevant today. In two ways. First, his call to moderate Democrats back then is just as relevant as it is today. And let me say this to those who have stuck with a party and you think that it's still the Democratic Party. It is not. It is being controlled by the elites, same as the Republicans. I'll get to that in a second. Controlled by the elites. And the Marxists, and they do not want an America that you recognize. Walk away. Your party has abandoned you. Now, that doesn't mean you join the GOP. Um, we're, we're sitting here. We're talking about not, not rare, safe, and legal. We're talking about the ability to kill babies even after birth. That's that's already happening in California. They're moving in California to that. So desperate to kill babies as they're being born. That's radical. You don't have to join the Republican Party. You have to remember when Ronald Reagan gave that speech, he was kind of on the outs with the Republican Party. He always was on the outs with the Republican Party. Um, he was supporting uh, Goldwater at that time. Somebody who was saying, stand with the Constitution. Now, 
The problem here is the radicals are not restricted to the political machine in D.C. They now run most of corporate America and big tech. I talked about this with you before uh, with the great, almost said it, the amazing do over. If I say the great, then we're banned. Can I whisper? Can I? Anyway. What we're seeing right now would not be possible without the willing participation of the largest corporations in the country and the largest unions as well. It's not surprising to me at all to see these corporations announcing solidarity with the death of vulnerable babies. I'm going to show you a graphic from MSNBC. This shows which companies immediately pledged to cover the travel costs for women that they may have to travel to murder their baby. Tesla is right there in the middle. Now, can we analyze the leftist mindset for a minute? Because they always cloak their ideology with compassion. Oh, virtue, compassion. They really, it's about caring for women. Is it? Let's just look at this for a second. These progressive CEOs, politicians, whomever, have a formula for how valuable a human life is. And this is important to understand. It's called the complete live system. It was promoted by Rahm Emanuel's brother, Dr. Zeke Emanuel, Ezekiel Emanuel. Um, Zeke was part of Obama. He was uh, the healthcare advisor. He was one of the architects of Obamacare. Most recently, he's an appointee on Biden's COVID task force. All right. So if you look at his chart, people in the middle ages, 20 to 30, have the most value to society. That's why they have the greatest access to health care. Old people in their system, the compassionate system, remember, have very little value. And babies have basically zero value. So now let's 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 think about this as a progressive or a leftist CEO. If I have to measure the value of covering the cost of a pregnant woman or have her come to term, uh, you know, and and have the baby. Is is it worth four thousand dollars to get her to go fly away and kill that baby? You bet. And here's how the calculus works. Assuming there's no complications, a pregnancy costs a company's insurance company about $7,000. Complications can skyrocket that figure up to around $70,000. And none of this includes the extra time off from work, the child care, other losses of production due to now having to raise a child. So if you're a progressive leftist CEO and it's cool to kill kids... Would you go, here's 4K, go kill it and get back to work. That's the leftist compassion in a nutshell. Institutions like the Supreme Court and documents like the Constitution are a clear roadblock to radicals now that call themselves the Democratic Party. They know they have mere months before they lose the House. They have to turn this crisis into an opportunity and fast. You've heard what they've been saying. I'll show you what they're hinting at and what it all means next. We are on the precipice of radical change in this country, and the majority of that will be negotiated by slimy politicians in back rooms of the West Wing and Congress. We're seeing it. We saw it recently with guns. 
multiple Republicans jump ship to assault the Second Amendment. And it was all backroom deals. The Trump administration saw this coming and the courts might actually be his greatest achievement. In just one term, he appointed 33% of the Supreme Court justices and 30% of U.S. appellate judges. Love him or hate him, President Trump's judges are destroying the progressive takeover of America. Roe versus Wade is the biggest, but one day before the Supreme Court protected the Second Amendment. A few days later... They did it again. They protected a high school football coach and his right to pray. They affirmed the striking down of Biden's vaccine mandate, and they limited the power of the Environmental Protection Agency. This is the situation the left now finds themselves in, and they are terrified because the law is no longer with them. So why is it they're so scared? Well, for the very first time The people are freer, especially on religion. We are now freer than we've ever been in my lifetime. The government is retracting rather than expanding. And I mean, not it's not getting smaller, but its fingers are being slapped and told to back off. And this is being done while the Democrats hold every level of government. That means their only option now is to try to utilize as many levers as they can before they lose the House in just a few months. And that's why the top-down assault is beginning. On the day the Roe v. Wade decision came down, the Attorney General announced government resistance from the United States Justice Department. Top-down. Seriously, listen to this quote. The Justice Department will use every tool at our disposal to protect reproductive freedom. And we will not waver from this department's founding responsibility to protect the civil rights of all Americans. But wait a minute. The Justice Department is supposed to protect and defend the Constitution and enforce the laws and the laws decided by the Supreme Court. You want to fight it, then you have to fight it with a constitutional amendment or you fight it locally in the states because that's what the Supreme Court said they needed to do. So the Supreme Court, you know, the guys that interpret the Constitution ruled killing babies is not a right. So now we have the highest court in the land and its own federal government, the DOJ, looking into ways to subvert the government. Boy, that sounds like an insurrection. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'll wait for the committee. I began warning that the filibuster would be a prime target when Democrats took the Senate immediately after the Roe versus Wade decision came out. Journalists like this one began to put pressure on Biden's stance on ending the filibuster. That's step one. If anything transformational is going to happen for them now, the filibuster has to come down. They can't get the 60 votes. And wouldn't you know it, just a few days later, Biden began to change his tune. He said he would make the exception just to codify Roe versus Wade. But we all know that gutting the filibuster is just the gateway drug to upend the entire system. So, you know, um, upending the filibuster, changing the makeup of the Supreme Court, these are all end of republic moves. 
If they can end the filibuster, it's going to be a progressive bonanza, knocking down one extreme issue after the next. And it's pretty obvious what their top priority will be. Here's Nancy Pelosi. There's no point in saying good morning, because it certainly is not one. This morning, the radical Supreme Court is eviscerating Americans' rights and endangering their health and safety. But the Congress will continue to act uh, to overcome this extremism and, pr- extremism and protect the American people. This is amazing. The radical Supreme Court, they're endangering lives. Okay, let's go to Senator Warren. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had after their gun decision, after their voting decision, after their union decision. They just took the last of it and set a torch to it with the Roe versus Wade opinion. I believe we need to get some confidence back in our court. And that means we need more justices on the United States Supreme Court. It's amazing to me. Um, okay, so it's it's radical. It's endangering people. And now it's illegitimate. And I love this reasoning. I mean, so it's illegitimate. So we make it bigger by packing it with more judges. Uh, and judges that our side gets to pick. Okay, that makes per- perfect progressive sense. When you see something that's not working, double down, make it bigger. Well, you know, that's what we're doing. All right, so we all knew we were leading up to this. We all knew that packing the Supreme Court wasn't going away, but now they feel the urgency to get it done. Now they have the crisis to do it. Did you hear what Biden said a couple of weeks ago in Spain? Watch. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights. And it is a mistake, in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. Wow. So let me see if I have this right. Biden just called the United States Supreme Court destabilizing. I remember a time in the not-too-distant past where no American president would talk about our internal politics outside of our nation. He just said that our Supreme Court is destabilizing to an international crowd at a NATO summit. Just when I think there's no way he can reach a new low, they send President Pudding out to Madrid. Embarrassing? Yes. Dangerous beyond measure. But it does give us a glimpse into what's being said within the secret meetings in the heads of the people in the West Wing and in Congress. This is what they want. First, it will be the filibuster. Then it'll be Roe versus Wade. Then they'll pack the court. Then whatever the heck they want. I mean, maybe they'll have time to federalize elections and make sure their majority stays intact forever. But they cannot fly it alone. They need a powerful street movement. The top is coming down. Now they need something so CNN can point their cameras selectively, of course, and claim that everything is going mostly peaceful. Yeah, pay no attention to the fire behind me. It's mostly peaceful. And that is exactly how top down, bottom up works. The people in the street first have to know there is support from the government. Sometime, sometimes it's even goading them on. See this turnout here? You ain't seen nothing yet. Women are 
going to control their bodies no matter how they try and stop us. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. Women will be in control of their bodies. And if they think black women are intimidated or afraid, they got another thought coming. Black women will be out in droves. We will be out by the thousands. We will be out by the millions. We're going to make sure we fight for the right to control our own bodies. Okay. You haven't seen nothing yet. To hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. We will be out by the millions. We will fight. I guess insurrection is cool and in fashion as long as you're on the left. Here's Lori Lightfoot. If you read Clarence Thomas' concurrence, he said, thank you, Clarence Thomas. So F. Clarence Thomas and the mob roars. The mob is gathering. They're making their plans and it is highly organized. Back in a minute. Important. That was AOC with protesters outside of the Supreme Court the day the decision came out. They were calling the Supreme Court and their decision illegitimate. And the woman leading the chance said to get the uh, quote uh, into the streets. AOC clapped like a junior high school girl after finding out that Tommy asked Susie to the dance. But it's really important that you see this video more on the woman holding the megaphone in just a second. It's not just the the members of the government that are goading on the foot soldiers and bringing them into action. The government is is sending the message. We have your back. But remember, like I said at the beginning of the show, um, there are really a couple of things going on. They're pitting us against each other. It is the elitist with the money using the revolutionaries to get their real agenda and the real change. It's coming from all over. I want to play Samantha B. It's not just about voting in November. It's about doing everything in our power to protect and help vulnerable people access abortion across state lines. And we have to raise hell in our cities, in Washington, in every restaurant Justice Alito eats at for the rest of his life. Because if Republicans have made our lives wow. hell, it's time to return the favor. Raise hell, return the favor. Screw it. Follow the justices around restaurants if you have to. And interestingly enough, a group calling themselves Shut Down DC has now offered a cash bounty for anyone that reports Supreme Court justices out and about in town. DOJ's doing nothing about it. Don't worry. It's not as if people have already been caught traveling halfway across the country with the intent to kill a Supreme Court justice. No big deal. Just offer bounties to make the job easier. This is insane and revolutionary. It is putting people's lives in danger. Something big is being organized here, and I feel like we are just in the preamble of all of it. Listen to this from the race-baiting academic Cornell West. We must 
be in the streets, not just hit the streets, stay in the streets. And some of us, again, must indeed go to jail. Okay. So we have to be willing to, quote, go to jail. All right. Do you see the theme here? Street activists are being told to get into the streets, stalk the Supreme Court justices, and go to jail. Now, if you're a young leftist activist, what do you think they're thinking right now? If they're not already radicalized, it seems like the plan is to get them there quickly, doesn't it? This past weekend, the Women's March kicked off what they're calling the Summer of Rage. The sign-up page on their website asked the question, quote, are you ready to throw down? Near the bottom of the page, the Women's March categorizes the attendees on whether or not they're willing to get arrested. Well, they also held an invite-only webinar last week to make preparations. We had some ninjas listening in. Here's a bit of what was said. We will um, demonstrate our rage we will honor all the things that we are feeling and not um, package them nicely for folks who do not respect us and have demonstrated they don't respect us, regardless of whether or not our actions are respectable. We will, in fact, fight back. We will, in fact, push, mm. demonstrate, disrupt until we get what we deserve. So what's the message that a young street activist might be getting from this? It is definitely not the teachings of MLK. Who is there on the ground teaching these kids to remain peaceful and keep Christ first, even if you have to go to jail? I don't ever remember MLK saying to stalk their prey at restaurants and then express your rage and fight back and go to jail. But we're not dealing with the type of people uh, who have the moral character of Martin Luther King. In fact, they despise him. We're dealing with a highly organized and radical leftist machine. And they're building something here. Now, let me take you back to that video I showed you from Cornell West saying that you have to be willing to go to jail. Okay. That was pushed on social media by a woman named Sansara Taylor. In this tweet, she calls West brother Cornell West. Well, Sansara was also, happenstance, the woman with the megaphone leading AOC in chants that the Supreme Court was illegitimate and for people to get out in the streets. So who is this woman? Well, do you remember that quote from the communist website that I read at the top of the show? The one that said, now is the time for revolution. The one that also said that the means they should do it would be by, quote, either radically reactionary, murderously oppressive and destructive means or radically emancipating revolutionary means. Well, this comes from an organization that Sincera is affiliated with, the Revolutionary Communist Party. This is a group that was founded in 1975 um, uh, by a name, uh, well, his name, Bob uh, Avakian, I think, after the SDS Students for Democratic uh, Society fell apart in the 1960s, Avakian sought to set up a group similar to the Weather Underground. Oh, he looks good. He looks just like a preacher now, doesn't he? Their list of terrorist activity spans decades and is too long to list, but they include plots on U.S. military personnel and terror training camps run out of Colorado. These guys are serious and they're nuts. 
If you ever wondered where the old SDS weather underground radicals went, the ones that didn't get arrested, there they are. Now, here's an article back in 2014 asking the question, what the heck is the Revolutionary Communist Party doing in Ferguson? But the truth is, they've been inciting riots all over the country. Just nobody is holding them responsible. They were specifically spotted and called out in the 2016 riots in Cleveland. Also at Black Lives Matter demonstrations in Milwaukee. They're there to, quote, support a revolution. And of course, as you might expect, they were on the front lines in Minneapolis leading the charge. This is RevCon's official call to action right after the death of George Floyd. Be a part of the movement for an actual revolution. Now, one of their people, Sincera Taylor, is on the front lines, leading AOC in chants against the Supreme Court. She is also affiliated alongside with Cornell West with a group called Refuse Fascism. Refuse fascism basically is just another offshoot of the Revolutionary Communist Party, and they admit that on their own website. Does AOC actually know these people and who they are? Does she know she's joining with communists that want a real revolution? Does she know who funds them? I have my answer. You can make up yours. Do you remember the video that Project Veritas exposed on refused fascism? Remember, we played it. Everybody saw it. We did apply for a grant from Soros at one point a long time ago. We actually did get a, a, a grant from them. There is going to be a need for thousands of people and then millions to come into the streets. He's trying to meet with Tom Steyer. We've been talking to his assistant, meeting with his main main advisor on impeachment. I think he has political ambitions that he may actually want to not be directly connected. These are the national organizers with Refuse Fascism, saying it right out in the open that they receive funding from Pepperoni Eyes himself, George Soros. Does anyone seriously believe that communists give a crap about abortion? China has restrictions on abortion. They're communists. North Korea has outlawed, uh, outlawed it. They're communists. Communists could give a rat's butt about the issue. The only thing they care about is what issue they can turn into a cause for a revolution. And it's the same with the communists here in the United States. And George Soros, remember, he's part of the elite group using these people. You think he wants communism? But he's funding it. You think he cares about abortion? Highly doubtful. We are just at the beginning of all of this, and this is highly organized. And the radicals from the 60s are right there in the middle. Just remember, this is really all about destroying capitalism and remaking this country into something that it isn't. That is what they actually want. And the summer of rage is just getting started. And so far, thank God, it hasn't gotten too crazy. But I think that's going to change. But we did have somebody go undercover this past weekend to listen to their pre-protest training. And he actually came back with some surprising news. Next. And to all these Supreme Court justices who think they're going to go out and just go on with life as usual, it's on sight. No peace. 
no peace. And to the Democrats, it's past time to stop being polite. So this amazing speech is the beginning, day one of the summer of rage. The night before, there was something else scheduled in Washington, D.C., and it was a training session with these people scheduled for the little street warriors. I'm going to show you something from their website, people that were signing up. It says, quote, I'm interested in risking arrest and I agree to attend the training in person in D.C., the 6 p.m. Eastern, July 8th, plus the action on July 9th. Well, it to me sounds like the you know social event of the year. So we thought we can't miss out on all the festivities. We decided to send the most anti-woke guy we know uh, just to hang out, you know, just a bit with some of the most woke people in Washington, D.C. Our suggested icebreaker was to walk in and say, hello, fellow revolutionaries. I don't think he did that, um, but I thought it was excellent advice. Blaze TV contributor for Fearless with Jason Whitlock, columnist for Blaze, theblaze.com. Delano Squires is here to tell us what he saw. First of all, Delano, this happened at a church, right? Yes, that is correct, Glenn. It, it happened at a church um, in northwest D.C., in a very uh, wealthy, well-to-do part of town. Um, it's a Unitarian church, so they had uh, all of the rainbow flags flying. Um, so, you know, you, you, could, you could get a sense of what this church believed. Um, it was a very nice, you know, looking building and um, probably had about 250 people there. Um, I sat in the balcony and, uh, you know, it was, it was packed and people were excited about the event that was taking place the next day. So what did they they talk about with the uh, with those who, who attended? It was was this because I think somehow or another they think that they're they're acting like Martin Luther King and they're in the middle of the civil rights uh, movement. What were they talking about? What did you learn? So um, when I first heard about the event, right, I saw the, the flyer and talked about Summer of Rage. And um, I mean, the person on the flyer looked pretty menacing. So I, I came prepared for whatever may take place. I had, had my pocket knife on me. You know, I had uh, some, some <laughs> other things that I could use in case, you know, things went sideways. But honestly, the people right. there, uh, I mean, Glenn, these people wouldn't bust a grape, Glenn. They, they were not... Uh, they were fairly harmless. It was a lot of rhetoric, a lot of chanting, you know, the typical stuff you'd hear, my body, my choice, mm-hmm. um, that type of thing. There was an icebreaker in which everyone had to say their name, where they were from, and why they wanted to participate in the march. Um, that part was difficult for me because I, I stayed in character. Uh, I said that, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad and uh, I, f- I feel bad that my daughter has, you know, fewer rights than her grandmother. Right, so I, I played the part, but um, it, it was it was a fairly tame crowd. And one thing you said is correct, though. I think they see themselves as operating in the same spirit of Dr. King and the civil rights movement. And I think even the uh, potential of risking arrest and, and, and the training was for people who were open to that. Um, no one was required to risk arrest, but even that training in terms of you know, uh, going to the White House, not moving when when told to move along, tying a green bandana on the White House gate and just sitting down and allowing yourself to be arrested. 
um, I think they see that they saw themselves as operating in that same spirit. And this is where, you know, freedom can go sideways because what Dr. King and the civil rights, you know, generation was doing was uh, marching for true freedom. And what these people are doing is um, conducting a death march. So is this is this something that you um, first of all, what was the makeup of the the crowd? Was it I'm guessing mainly white female liberals? You, you got it, Glenn. Um, so I, I'd say about, <laughs> okay. I, I, I'd say there was about uh, 250 people there. Um, I'd say at least 75 to 80 percent white. 90% female, um, I, I bet at least 85% with some college education. There were a couple of guys, um, I, I sat in the balcony, I saw a guy across on, in the, on the other side, um, in the other section of the balcony who had on a March for Our Lives t-shirt, a blue t-shirt, um, and obviously that's, that's the, you know, sort of activist movement that is protesting, you know, or, or lobbying for additional, um, gun control laws, th- that was pretty on brand because these people don't see, you know, any any issue with advocating against the Second Amendment and for abortion. Um, they obviously right. fell asleep during constitutional law class. So, so yes, it, it was the exact type of crowd you would expect um, for for this type of event. So this is confusing because the 60s radicals and the Marxists want to overthrow the United States. Um, And the summer of rage comes from that movement. Um, And uh, it's 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 not usually done by a bunch of really nice, uptight uh, people. Um, it, It sounds like the rhetoric doesn't match who was showing up. I, D- does that I make sense? Yes, yes. Um, I, th- I think that's an accurate statement, um, that the rhetoric does does not match. I mean, the, the, the flyer was by far the most intimidating part of this, this entire experience. Um, but, but I think these people were true believers in the sense that they see abortion um, as a fundamental human right, quote unquote, and they want to do their part in, in protesting and marching to ensure that the next generation of women have just as much right to kill their offspring as the previous generations of women. Um, but mm. this was not in any way, shape or form. This is not your Antifa black block training ground, right? As I said, these people are, were relatively harmless. Yeah. Um, and I think if, if a mouse scurried under any of the pews, the, the entire church would empty out in about five seconds. So uh, to your point, I think, again, the, the rhetoric was a lot hotter than, than the actual action. Uh, I will tell you that it is uh, remarkable to me, I'll I'll end where I started, that this happened at a church, Um, how far we have all fallen, uh, and good is evil, and evil is being taught as good. Delano, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again. Thank you, Glenn. I used to always quote Thomas Jefferson, question with boldness, stand in the truth, and speak without fear. Good night, America.